Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Meetings are a fact of life, and nearly everyone could improve the way that they take notes. There is nothing worse than sitting through a long meeting and then having to later ask a bunch of questions that were answered in the meeting. It wastes time and leads to a lot of mistakes. In this episode, we're going to discuss some things you can do to improve the way you take notes during meetings. We're going to try to stay away from the more tactical stuff that you probably already know and focus on the larger issues that are making it hard for you to take good notes. But before we get started, Will, what's been taking your notes lately? Well, I actually did have to take notes while we were on the call earlier because I have got it. I think my recording setup is is nailed down in Linux. Nice. There's some config stuff that I need to do to make it you know nice and repeatable, but it's there. You were on the call with me and you you verified it, so that that's pretty cool. And I think one thing that has really helped is the way that I actually have started doing things with notes more. So I, you know, I take notes when I'm doing a process like that. You know, just note everything down. And then when I get stuck, I can actually go back through and reason about what happened. That's helped me tremendously. That plus actually kind of project planning in notes, like going, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Here's the steps I need to do. And actually really tracking it versus just kind of winging it. It's like night and day difference. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how that's, that's working out. So how about you? Well, I hit my weight loss goal. Finally. I say finally, I mean, it's only been a year, almost to the day, actually. I weighed myself one day after I started this, just because I weighed myself on on Saturdays. And uh, yeah, I hit my goal. It took a year to, to get to, to lose 90 pounds. So now I am, I'm making the switch and going from uh, weight loss to toning, and then it will be to muscle building. From there, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I, I've been using this app, My Fitness Pal, really good for for tracking and stuff. And you kind of put in your goal, and it gives you like calories, like how many calories, another nutritional stuff for the day, and kind of a macronutrient type thing. And then uh, as you put in your exercise, it adjusts your calories. Well, I changed it from weight loss to weight maintenance, and Oh my goodness, I have so many calories. <laughs> yeah. Like before it was like, oh, go under the calories. That's good because you're trying to lose weight. Now it's like, all right, I'm trying to kind of hit. I don't want to go over because I don't want to gain weight. But like I'm trying to like stay as close as I can to that actual mark. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get to the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, I, I need to somehow eat another 800 calories. Darn. I know. Yeah. That's so yeah. I'm figuring all that that out, you know, and trying to figure out how to like maintain and stay healthy. Like today I just doubled up my lunch. 
So, you know, normally I would like, I alternate between these healthy pot pies that I like and salads. And I just ate both. Still under my allotted calories for the day or for the the meal. But uh, I'm enjoying a Jones soda and I haven't drank a Jones soda in I don't know how long. So Yeah, nice. Yeah, I know. So it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I've talked a little bit about some of the, the goals, but I hadn't really pushed, like, talked a lot about it on here. But uh, it's exciting to actually reach that goal. Like when I, because I weigh myself first thing in the morning on Saturdays. And when I, when I got up last Saturday and weighed myself, I was like, wait, what? I weighed myself three times just to make sure it was accurate. And it was the same all three times. I'm like, oh, wow, I hit it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm actually down 15 pounds and I'm not dieting. <laughs> I mm. think it's the stress. I don't know. Looked at I just checked it the other day on a whim and I'm like, ooh. Not sure what because I, I mean I'm legitimately not trying. Like I go and I get like the half pounder uh roast beef sandwiches from <laughs> Arby's. Like I'm not oh, eating wow. light. So I'm like, what's up with that? So mm-hmm. I feel like doing that intentionally is probably a lot more fun, <laughs> even though it's probably not a whole lot of fun either way, but well, actually, it has been quite fun because I've kind of gotten into running and I'm still going to the gym. This week, I've taken it light just because I'm like, you know what? Got to have a little celebration. A little celebration. I mean, I'm still going to the gym every day, but also it's been a busy, busy week. So I haven't always, I haven't had the exact same amount of time. So it's been nice. Like, oh yeah, let me take it light and work out for 40 minutes instead of an hour. And that'll save me a little time. This week has been really light for me and it's messed me up. I mean, I'm just, I do not like it. <laughs> I've literally had something every night this week. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's been a little bit overwhelming for me. And work has picked up too. So it's not like, oh, hey, I can like relax a little bit there. No, no, it's, it's a lot. So yeah, everything's smooth. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to having something I have to get done. And there's, yeah, no- yeah. Saving money is hard, especially when you need to eat more calories to maintain your weight. That's true. Food's expensive, yo. Yeah. Lucas Posadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, he has a focus on helping you to not only establish a real plan for your life, but to actually take action on that plan so that you can create the life that you want to live. Now, guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. And speaking of paying for it, Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So you can start now instead of having to put it off until you have enough money, essentially. And the best part is Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but instead to help guide you to a better financial situation. And if you're interested in this guidance, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face. And he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. We've all had the experience of sitting through a long and many long meetings 
and retaining absolutely nothing from the meeting. Even worse, when you really need some information from the meeting, you probably looked at your notes and either found something cryptic, as I used to do in school, or nothing at all. Following this, you probably tried to save face by trying to figure the information out without asking anyone. You know, you don't want to look foolish or anything. After a while, you give up and sheepishly ask your boss or another coworker a question that should have been answered in the meeting. Sound familiar? Not only does it make you look bad, but it can waste a lot of time, cause mistakes, and interrupt your coworkers. Yeah, and it's the most irritating interruption in the world, even though they do it too. Oh, yeah. Nobody's actually honest with themselves about how often they actually do this. I guarantee you they could draw a bead on exactly how much somebody else does it. Most of us who have been in a development career for a while have realized that we're pretty terrible at taking notes. It comes with the territory. This is due to a variety of reasons, from unclear discussions during meetings or discussions that go back and forth between possible answers, boredom and daydreaming. If you've ever sat through any kind of compliance meeting, you know what those are. Or simply failing to take actionable, useful notes during the meeting. And even if you've tried to fix your note-taking several times, as most of us have, you probably still don't do as well as you would like. Now, while you don't need to take perfect notes, and we would argue that you probably shouldn't want perfect notes because there's other stuff to do, you do need to take better ones. More than likely, it would, it'll help your career. So guys, in this episode, we're going to talk about some strategies that you can use to take better notes during meetings. While we all know that you should make notes actionable, summarize your notes and keep them organized, and literally every blog about the subject has the same tips, I'm sure we'll read through quite a few because I, I do that too sometimes. It's the same. I mean, and you're just like, man, this is so unoriginal. This is like I was taught this in seventh grade. What? What do you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's always got to start with a monologue too. That's always the, the worst, you know, like my uncle lost four of his fingers in Korea and this is why it's important to take better notes. It's like, wow, you're stretching, bro. You know, like it, it's like a recipe blog thing. It, it's <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say recipe blogs. Yeah. There are a lot of things that you can do in the modern remote work environment that were harder to do back in the office days. Remote work gives us a lot of advantages for taking notes as well as some disadvantages that we need to mitigate. And the first thing is, obviously, I think it's pretty important for, for fixing a lot of problems in the office, and that is to learn to triage your meetings. Some meetings are just not worth your time. If you're not reporting to somebody, aren't taking notes, and have nothing actionable to do after a meeting, you need to skip it. Or at the very least, do something else with your time during that meeting. Right. Especially if you're working remote, you, you absolutely can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you may not be able to skip a meeting, but if you aren't talking and have nothing to contribute in the remote world, you can and probably should be doing something else. I know, like, and it sort of depends on the, on the meeting and our daily standups. We kind of have a rule about not doing that. Yeah. Same here. Just because it's ours are actually an hour long, but that's because we also combine them with uh, with refining. We do like we only have one meeting a day, 
And it's like, oh, hey, if we need to do some refining, we do it here. If we need to, like, whatever we need, we do in that meeting. Now, when we don't need to do anything, that meeting lasts about 10 to 15 minutes. And we've got the hour to goof off if we want or to get off the call and go work. A lot of times it, it, it ends up being like about half an hour of actual meeting and then 15 minutes of talking about video games. Ours is supposed to be a 30-minute meeting. We're usually done in under 10 minutes unless something yeah. major has gone wrong. And then usually there's like five minutes of, you know, maybe, you know, because like I want to keep the team camaraderie going. Like we're not technically supposed to do this during a meeting, but like you you don't want to just be all business, especially like in your small team stand-up. And then we have like a scrum of scrums type setup that's later in the day that not everybody has to go to. I do that's a little bit longer and then we've got planning meetings, but there's you know, any of the meetings that are actually useful for your job. You either need to be figuring out how to participate or you need to do something else. But you also have a lot of other meetings that you're required to be at that just are not, not useful. And I don't mean like your health and benefits type meetings either, right? Where you pick your insurance, you need to be paying attention in there too. Cause it's a lot of money, but you will have like company wides. A lot of times that are just, you don't care about any of it. It has no relevance to you and you have nothing to do. A lot of times if you're if you're already overloaded, that's a great time to kind of get some stuff off your plate. The real issue here is that if you allow people to waste your time when it doesn't matter, you will be more likely to zone out when it does matter. You don't want to build a habit of zoning out and you're going to build that habit if people make you go to meetings that you shouldn't be in. Yeah, that's very true. You might not be able to do the mentally intensive tasks like coding during meetings i mean if you consider coding mentally intensive it depends on the language sometimes you know (laughs) well it it depends on what you're doing like if you're building out data models on like writing getters and setters then no but you know if you're doing some complex rxjs in typescript then probably need your full attention i mean yeah it, it really does depend on what you're doing a lot of times if like I will do sort of um, ancillary tasks, like things that need to get done, but that I don't have to be like, I can kind of half pay attention to, or like, it's like I start it and I just need like, I need to monitor it while it's running. Yeah. One thing I've found that's, that's helpful is if your coworkers have low difficulty PRs, this is a good time to, to do it. Or if there's, because a lot of times I find distractions to actually be helpful when I'm reviewing a PR because if I'm slightly distracted and I look at something and I go, that doesn't make sense, that's a tell because somebody's going to come back through and they're going to be distracted and look at that PR and it's not going to make sense and it's going to confuse them. Right. So like get yourself into a mental state of like whatever your worst development state would be. And a lot of times it will really actually help you be a less terrible developer if that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. So next, come to meetings with a list of questions. I mean, if you are supposed to leave a meeting with answers, then you need to show up with questions, especially if you've got an agenda or a topic to discuss. If you don't have a bunch of questions and don't have an agenda, why are you going to this meeting? Yeah, there's a lot of meetings that people will call that are just not not worthwhile or they're not well-planned or it could have been an email or you're not supposed to be there, but you are there. Definitely be willing to question that. And, and also 
you know, when you write down your questions before you go in, you're more likely to actually answer them and take that note because it's like it's a psychological thing. You don't like leaving blanks. You'll leave a page completely blank, but you won't leave a line blank. You're less likely to. Yeah, that's a weird psychological thing, but that's true. Yeah. And it, it, it is very strange, but it also helps a lot later when you come back to the same question again and you've forgotten the answers if they're already written down. Because more than likely, if you thought of a question once and you forgot it, you will think of the same question again. Yep. It helps you make better questions. Not only do you look smarter, but you're more effective yeah. by doing this. Yeah. And, and the looking smarter thing is not necessarily like, you know, that's not the goal, but it does keep you from asking completely boneheaded questions. Like if you've got a fear of doing that, writing them down beforehand and being ready makes it more likely that you will think through stuff well enough you know, to only ask questions that matter. Yeah. Unless you purposely ask those questions just to mess with people. Yeah. Or to get somebody to explain something for other people for whom that is not a dumb question. Yeah. Now that I've done a lot of. I've done a fair bit of that myself too, where I'll ask a, a question where, you know, other people are like, man, that's an idiotic question. You know better than that. And it's like, yeah, but the PM doesn't. And you're not explaining it to them. And I don't want to call them out and go, hey, he doesn't know how to code. So I'm going to ask a, a dumb sounding question because I don't, I don't, I'm not going to bring my ego into the room there. Right. It's not useful. These questions and answers can also be really helpful for your coworkers who didn't make it to the meeting because guess what? They're going to come up with those same questions and now they're going to ask you. Mm-hmm. And you can often short circuit this if you, you know, if it's something that's a little bit more technical and you've got those questions, you just write it up and you, send an email to them and then you don't get bothered at yeah. some inopportune time. That's true. That's true. Next, have consistent means of calling out your action items from your notes. So whether you are doing things digitally or on paper, you need to be able to see your action items at a glance when quickly thumbing through them. Yeah, and, and this is a mistake I used to make a lot. Right. I would write down my action items. And then a week later, you know, my boss is like, Well, did you do the thing I told you to do? And I'm like, Oh, no, I forgot to do it. Why'd you forget to do it? I saw you write it down. And you go back and look, and yeah, it's sitting there on the paper, but there's nothing when I'm flipping through the notebook that makes that thing obvious. Right. Like you, you want to, you know, put a star by it, put an arrow pointing. I usually put an arrow pointing at it from the, the margin. And then I'll put a star by stuff that's important so that you can, you know, you can see it quickly. Yeah, Because if you don't do that, you, you are going to miss it. Um, and then also, obviously, when you finish the action item, you go back to your notes and you cross it out. Like it's it's a checklist and I don't want to get a, a false positive that I need to do this thing. You are going to kind of use it for task management. It just keeps you from screwing up more than anything else. Now, ideally, after the meeting, you would put any action items into a system that helps you be reminded of them. So some kind of to-do list manager, something like mm-hmm. that. Like I used to do it for that. But you still need to be able to find things in your notes and see them when you come back to it. Because especially if you are in an office and you're having to you know, go into a conference room for a meeting and you don't have your laptop or your machine is a desktop, like you know, one of my previous gigs not too long ago, you only have your notebook. And if you need to see that stuff, you, you've got to be able to get to it there, not just in this other digital thing that you put it in. And similarly, if you need to get to it digitally, it also needs to be in a system. So, you know, if you, you get a call from your boss while you're at the grocery store for some reason and you need to look and you, you've got it. Oh, yeah. If I get a 
call from my boss while I'm at the grocery store, I'm just not going to answer the call. If I get a call from my boss at the grocery store, it's a prank. Yeah, he's a joker. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, you know, I've, I've worked at places where you know it was kind of critical to know. Yeah, I did do the thing, and here's the day I did it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we do have an on-call developer. I'm actually on call this week, but my boss isn't going to do that. Most likely, if I get a call outside of office hours, it's, "Hey, are you coming to whatever event that is going on?" Because we do a lot of like after-hour stuff. Um, now that things have opened back up and we can like the whole team can get together. So, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to ignore the call. Uh, that was a joke. Yeah. I, I realized after I said it, I probably should clarify that that was a joke. So now this is also going to help you to identify the meetings that are a waste of time. If a particular meeting is always a waste, you can expect it and react accordingly or i should say plan accordingly yeah and and you really want to do this based on your notes um instead of based on your feelings because you'll be like oh this meeting is a waste of time and it, it's like okay four-fifths of the time it is a waste of time the other fifth that other 20 percent, it's critical and you're not going to remember those so you you want to actually be looking at a real record uh, when you make that decision otherwise you'll go into a meeting and ignore it and you'll get called on and then you look like an idiot. So yeah, definitely be careful about that. Another corollary to this is that you should also have a different means of calling out action items that are from other people or for other people. So if it's something that you're going to be waiting on, have some kind of marker there. I usually just draw a circle close to it, uh, kind of like a checkbox. If it's some kind of blocking thing that I am awaiting from another person, I have, I have a way to signal that. So I can look very, very quickly. That's a good idea. If you're a software developer, you've been there. It's 9 p.m. You're finally unwinding from work. Your phone buzzes with an alert. You're at the grocery store. Your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken, and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the server? Is it the front end? Is it the back end? Did I miss something in that meeting where I was half asleep because I forgot to make coffee before a 7 a.m. meeting? Did I introduce a bug in my last deploy? Now, the whole team scrambling from tool to tool, messaging person after person to find and fix the issue because they were all half awake in that meeting because why would you schedule a meeting at 7 a.m.? That won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you would normally buy separately. So engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and can resolve it quickly. That's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it only takes five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And then you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. 
Sign up at newrelic.com slash CDP. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash CDP. Newrelic.com slash CDP. So the next thing you probably need to be doing to take better meeting notes is to actually have a template of some sort for the notes. Uh, There should be a well-known predefined section for the important parts of the meeting. So this should probably include things like the objective of the meeting, who was there, major points discussed, action items, and what you need from others. There's quite a few reasons why you want to do this. The first one is that it makes your notes more consistent and easier to quickly access. Yeah, I've known some people that they take a lot of notes, but their notes were structured differently from, I mean, from meeting to meeting. And so when they're looking for stuff, they're having to like read the entire stupid thing. It's like, look, treat it like a database table. You want an index for the things you're trying to get. Okay, so I, I really like my shorthands. Oh, you've seen my shorthand. You can read more of it than any other person other than me. Yeah, I say, I'm one of the two people who can read it, and the other one is you. Yeah. Yeah, but my shorthand changes. That's the thing. It, it changed, especially in school when I was still like really developing it. It's kind of set now. But then again, most of the stuff I'm writing about is the same. I'm not like hopping from Bible class to psychology to English to whatever. I mean, you know, so it's not as dispersed as it used to be, but it would. And I would actually have at the beginning of my notebook, I would leave the first page blank so you can do a key (laughs) so I could write a key. So if I ever shared my notes with anyone, I could like share that too. be like, all right, here. You asked for it. I would just give them the notes with a shorthand and be like, good luck. Yeah, you would. That's why I learned how to read your notes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, like with all the computer classes and stuff, there's just, there's just certain constructs that you use a lot. I had shorthands that were kind of built around some of that stuff. And this is back in like the pre-laptop days. Like in 2000, you did not take a laptop to class. The teacher would look at you weird. You know, it was a very expensive machine. You couldn't get on the network. There's a lot of stuff that would, that would go on. So we had to do things in notebooks. And yeah, like having a, having a template, having structure really helps, even if you are doing uh, things that way. Making the notes consistent is super duper helpful, but it, it also makes sure that you actually cover all the relevant information in the meeting. You know, if a section's not filled in and you get to the end of the meeting, it's like, look, there either needs to be another meeting or you need to answer this. Like, what are my action items? What's, what do I need from other people? Like, those kind of things, because otherwise you're going to have to come back and do it anyway. And it's not going to be a good time and it's going to be more difficult versus Mm -hmm. when you have everybody sitting there. Also, when you have a template, even if it's not like something there, but it's something that you do every time, it allows you to worry more about the content of the meeting than the structure of your notes. And so it ends up improving the quality of your notes. Like, for example, I haven't been in a lot of meetings where I've had to take notes recently. And then today, I've been wanting a uh, some type of whiteboard, like digital whiteboarding solution that I can collaborate remotely with my team. And so I've been looking at different ones. I went to uh, the Digital Government Summit and there was a company there. So they reached out to me after I talked to him and they they did a demo and I'm taking notes on it because I talked to our architect and I told him about it and he's like, oh, I wish I could be there. Take good notes. Yeah. 
I mean, I used to be really good at note taking when I was going to conferences and stuff like that. And I have gotten really lax about it. And so my notes, I'm I'm doing stuff. And I'm like, all right, yeah. But then I'm like remembering the template halfway through the note taking. And so, yeah, when you get out of practice, it's it's not good. But these templates really help, especially if you do like like me. You're like, oh, hey, for the last few years, I haven't had a lot of meetings where I've been taking notes. So I haven't had to keep that skill up. But having templates helps you to go, all right, I know how I'm going to take notes. And it's like you fall back into it better. And I mean, for my my daily notes for work, I just have a Dendron template. And so I can hit, mm-hmm. and I open up uh, Visual Studio Code in that project. And I hit Control-Shift-J and it's got the daily note with all the blanks kind of set up for me. And all I got to do is fill it in because I, I spent some time making sure I didn't have to spend time later. Um, and it's probably paid off by now, maybe. Probably, maybe. It's uh, Frustration, at least. I mean, because like, uh, that first meeting is I'm not well caffeinated by then either. And it's like, I, I need whatever I can do to overcome my IQ at that point. That's fair. So speaking of uh, overcoming your own IQ, the next thing you should do is summarize the meeting and send the summary to other people. Like if it's something critical, obviously you're probably not going to do this with all like your scrum ceremony meetings, mm-hmm. but more juicy projects or, you know, things that are more complex this is a really good idea. A lot of the blogs I read were like, oh, summarize your meeting notes. It's like, well, if your summary is wrong, that doesn't help. Yeah. So it is true that it will help you remember the stuff in the meeting, but you actually want to start kind of getting a feedback loop here because that will help you find the problems in the way that you take notes. Yeah, Sending a meeting summary to someone else is the fastest way to see if you understood the meeting or if they didn't understand it. Yeah. Or if they were zoned out. Yeah. Like that, that'll really tighten up that loop to find that out. And especially if you, you find some people who, you know, pay close attention or if it's the person who led the meeting, I've done that where I've sent a summary to, to the person who led the meeting. I was like, Hey, here's my, my summary from the meeting. Did I miss anything? And so what that does is it makes, it shows, Hey, I was paying attention. I was taking notes, but I might have missed something because I was in the process of writing things down. I was like, today, I literally had to ask them to stop talking so I could write some stuff down that they had said and then repeat what they they had been saying. Since I was on the phone with salespeople, they didn't mind because they're salespeople. And they're... But in other instances, you're not going to be like, hang on, wait a minute, let me write that down. Now repeat that, what you just said, because I missed it while I was writing. No. Well, you can't take that tone with a CEO. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I have in one or two places where they were really, really quick and it was it was appreciated, but it was a risk. I wouldn't actually suggest doing that unless you think you could pull it off. Or if they are telling you directly something to do and you're trying to write it down and you're like, hang on, wait a second. You said like summarize in the moment really is what you're doing. You're like, hang on, wait a second. You're, you're asking me to do this. Did I miss something? Cause I was trying to write it down while you were talking again, that's going to make you look good, but also like, it's going to show I'm not sending you this. I'm not asking you to tell me what happened because I wasn't paying attention. I'm asking you to tell me if like I missed anything because I was still on the previous one. Yeah, well, and when you send summaries to other people, and even better if they send them to you as well, you can both get better. 
the same dynamic also works with the people just holding the meeting because they get better at actually being clear in meetings when they realize, hey, yeah. this this dude takes good notes and he didn't understand anything. That's probably not you. And now dude realizes it instead of it being, oh, the developers are just not paying attention. Right. Because we've never heard that one before. Now, these summaries can also be useful for training more junior people. Really green developers are often uncomfortable in meetings and don't know what to do. They can learn from you and then you can learn from them. Well, I mean, a lot of times it just gives them, you know, besides giving them something to do, it's, it allows them to interact with other people in a way that is much less confrontational than they're mm-hmm. worried about what will happen. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to take good notes so that I can help you versus arguing over architectural principles or something. It's a way for people to kind of come out of their shell without realizing you're trying to get them out of their shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've definitely used that a few times as well. Yeah. For exactly that reason. Absolutely. So next, if you're easily distracted in meetings or if you're afraid you might be, or if you just got a lot going on in your life that makes it harder to focus, sometimes it may not be a, oh, I'm always distracted. It may just be, hey, I've got this stuff going on and it's hard to focus. Write notes from the recording rather than the actual meeting itself, assuming it's being recorded. Well, push for it to be recorded because you're not the only one that needs it, right? Like you're going to have documentation people and all kinds of other folks in there. It's like it should just be recorded. Yeah. Yeah, This is going to allow you to be more engaged in the actual meeting because you aren't trying to do two things at the same time. You'll also take better notes doing this because you already know what happens later in the meeting. So like a lot of times you'll go in these meetings where somebody has got this, this spiel that they're giving and here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to handle it. And you get halfway through the meeting and dude, bro, that sits to your right goes, Hey, wait, what about this other problem? And it has to be completely re-engineered. And if you're working off the recording instead of the actual meeting, you didn't take bad notes because you're like, okay, here's the discussion that maybe there's some useful pieces in here, but I know most of this is getting thrown away. Yeah. Before you write it down. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're in any kind of architectural type discussions, those, that, that is definitely something that happens. Yeah. Yeah. One of my coworkers and a friend of ours uh, used to come to our meetup group is uh, doing a, uh, a lunch and learn, a series of lunch and learns actually on RxJS. We've been talking as he's been working on it. And of course, he scheduled them the two weeks that I'm going to be out of the country. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, man, you know I want to be there. I've been excited for this since you first told me you were working on it. Please record these because I want to listen to them. Um, but yeah. So you can get a transcribed version of a meeting. Don't copy and paste from it. Summarize it instead. Actually, in the meeting that I was in today, they uh, they had a transcription. Like it, it was interesting because it was Zoom call, and it said it was being live streamed. And I was like, "We're streaming." I mean, you know, that doesn't bother me. I mean, you, I, we've streamed, and the the guy was like, "Oh yeah, it's see this transcription service that like it automatically transcribes the call so that I can go back and." easily search through for information that we might need and stuff like that. Have you had much luck on the transcription type things when you have a, a staff that has a wide variety of accents? The reason I'm asking is 
I, I have noticed uh, on ours, and this is Microsoft Teams, that it, it can handle the Indiana accent and it can handle some people from overseas accents. What's odd is, is like people from the same country overseas, like one of them, it'll handle their accent great. And you're like, yeah, this is perfect. And the other one, you're like, that is not what they said at all. And they like grew up like 80 miles from each other. And of course it always screws up on mine because hillbilly doesn't work on speech to text anyway. It might be the pitch. So if they if their voices are pitched differently and it, it might also be uh, slight variations, inflections based on dialect. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, that would make sense, but I mean, I have noticed that. So if you're, if you're taking it from, from transcriptions, Definitely, it would be better if you have the video and the transcription so that you've got one or the other to look at when one's screwed up. That'll help you on the regular meeting too because you can just go, okay, here's a spot. I need to figure out what they said. And I'm at this time. You know, you can write down the timestamp. And yeah. go, okay, I'll fill that in later. I'll just jump yeah. to it. Is get over your need to be perfect. Remember that you're trying to actually collect information, not to be the best at collecting information. This is the same thing that a friend of ours says about working out. You know, and he goes, look, I want to be strong. I don't want to be the best at working out. (laughs) Yes. Because if something works, then it works regardless of what you or anybody else feels about it. There's a lot of, if your meeting notes are good enough, then, you know, maybe don't try to tweak them endlessly. Like, right. Like you don't want it to be like your productivity system that you probably spend all the time you have tweaking to. Yeah. Not that I'm pointing fingers at myself or anything. Oh, yeah. He's he's like all 10 of them pointed at himself on that one. Yeah. Uh, your notes during the meeting, they're a rough draft, not the final product. If you have to make it better, do it after the meeting rather than during the meeting. Your goal with the meeting is to collect the information. After you've collected it, then you can sort it, filter it, do whatever you need to do to it to make it more presentable. For your summary, or if you do need, like with me, I'm writing up some stuff for my managers about the meeting that I had. And yeah, I'm not taking a screenshot of my notes. One, I took notes on paper because I prefer to do that. But two, they're a little scattered because I have a unique way of taking notes that works for me, but not for everybody else. So like, it's not a straight line. But when they're reading through the summary or through like, hey, here's here's the detailed summary, basically, they're going to want that even if it's just like bulleted out. So they're not going to want to see my stuff all over the place. Yeah. And I think it's really important to realize that you can clean up your notes after a meeting. And I know that that's a really silly thing to say, but there's probably somebody out there that's like, you know, you're right. Because we all have this tendency, right? We we were in school. We had to write stuff. You know, we had to do a test or something. And it had to be perfect right then. And you're done. And we, as adults, a lot of times carry that psychological burden in into our workplace in, in a way that doesn't work really well. You know, there's nobody regulating the fact that you fixed your notes after a meeting. Nobody cares. And that should free you to actually take the notes you need to take during the meeting and then fix it afterward. Yeah. Versus trying to make it perfect while you're in the meeting. Yeah. In school, we're graded on things because they're capable of being graded, not because they produce a particular result. 
don't allow this tendency to creep into your work. Because, I mean, this is something that I had to get over being so, like, been in school for so long that getting out, especially in a in a career that was so results-oriented as software development, and getting out into that, it was definitely a mind shift to move from this concept of thinking about like studying for the grade and stuff like that, or studying for the test, I should say, versus, hey, I, I need to learn just what I need to know to do the thing that produces a result. And then if I want to learn more later, I can. But, and so that has, getting past that, I know Will was there when I went through this. So getting yeah. past that uh, was definitely a big stepping stone. And honestly, you were there when I went through it. You just don't remember. Yeah, well, I was focused on a few other things back then, like my honors thesis. Yeah. So, so guys, there is a lot of internet advice about how to take better meeting notes. And honestly, if you've looked at this at all, you probably feel like you've read every piece of advice because most of them are exactly the same. While a lot of the advice is useful to some degree, a lot of it is not targeted at developers. It's not targeted for a remote environment. And it also tends to be way too tactical uh, compared to what you actually need. Uh, instead, if you want to fix the way that you take notes, you need to become more strategic in the way that you do it. Most of the problem with taking good notes isn't due to a lack of appropriate technique. It's due to the lack of an appropriate mindset about what the notes are for. To fix the way you take notes, return to first principles and remember why you're doing it. That pretty much wraps us up. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.